Hey everybody and welcome to planttherapy.live. We are back with you all again for another uh, week. My name is Ray. And I am Pache. And we have some more uh, great cannabis conversation coming at you again this week. Uh, we keep it real at planttherapy.live. I just want to tell everybody we are not sponsored in any way by any company. Uh, and we do this live every week. We are now live streaming on YouTube and Twitch for anybody that wants to listen in uh, real time. And we always post our recordings uh, on Spotify and iHeartRadio. And Pache, why don't you tell everybody where they can get access to everything? Uh, you can also check us out, of course, at uh, in Facebook, planttherapy.live. Check us out. It's the same uh, picture as you see on the screen right now. And those of you that are listening, it's just a great big uh, tent full of bud. <laughs> awesome and you can go to planttherapy.live at any time for the links to everything or uh, listen to our recordings from the website and tonight is a big night um, we are kicking off season two yes sir all right <laughs> yeah so uh season one you know was our, our basic uh, skim through of uh you know all of the basic information and outlining uh, kind of what you need to get into the game and start producing uh, your own high quality cannabis at home uh and with season two after taking a much needed vacation last week um we're going to kind of do a little bit of a pivot we're going to have a great episode tonight um tonight we're going to do the um basically recipe for a home run show i mean it's something we talked about pache in some of the uh the first podcasts that we did um you know and these are the types of things that you need to do to have a home run you know it's the verbiage that we use on the website um you know it's definitely the way we both feel about that Absolutely. first grow that that you pulled off there you know definitely a home run and now our whole goal uh is to go ahead and show everybody at home how to pull off uh, and have their own home run as well you know, and that's, <laughs> I couldn't wait to drop that one on you. Um, so, you know, that's where we're kind of headed with all of this. And uh, please come on the adventure uh, as we go through. But, you know, I did want to take a little bit of time first off and kind of talk a little bit about what I have uh, happening now. Mm -hmm. um, today is day 56. Day 56 oh, of flowering. You're close. I'm so... I'm so very close. So today, you know, all I did was basically change the water and give, give again, just, just basic water. Um, I've completing the flush. Um, the plants definitely look like they're, you know, taking the flush well. Um, most of the fan leaves have, uh, you know, really changed uh, state now. Um, the hairs are all orange for, for a while. And today I took samples, multiple samples from each plant uh, and, and did a full um, review of the, the trikes. And, you know, I'm basically at about 70% cloudy now. Okay maybe a little bit more so i'm figuring by next week it should be you know very close um, so what's the other 30 percent is the other 30 percent on the clear side of the state state cloudy stage yeah yeah okay I, I just uh, yeah to be sure. on the uh, yeah on the clear side um so you know it's it's um something i'm monitoring very closely but the more i think about it you know i think next week is going to be is going to be harvest time regardless because i've already really completed the flush right so i'm not just i'm not comfortable just continuing to just grow the plants in water as they mature 
I don't want to have that cause them any undue stress and have something hermaphrodite on me and, and cause some, some other problems. So I think regardless, um, next week is going to be the week. So uh, we'll keep everybody updated with that. We'll be keeping a close eye on, about, those, uh, on those last 30%. Oh, yes. Uh, what about you, uh, Pache? How's it going? Uh, it's going better than it was. So I started out having some pest issues and they seem to have gone away now. Um, I <clears throat> excuse me. I haven't seen a, a pest in probably two weeks since I transplanted. And actually, speaking of which, I'm bringing up my journal here um, now. So those folks that can't see the screen, I, I've got a, just a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, and so I've got a you know the date and what day it is and what week it is in the in the process. And it's a journal. Yeah, that's my journal. And so week seven, I color-coded, you know, I topped my plant, um, topped my plant halfway through week seven. Um, I can see, you know, it, it grew out to six or seven uh, nodes, and then I cut back to the fifth. And uh, so I did this for all the plants, and then I observed for another couple of days, give it some water. Uh, but now this watering, what I do is I water nutrients, one feeding, and then I go mm-hmm. um, CalMag and Max, which are both Diablo nutrient uh, products. Um, I do them uh, alternate back and forth, although um, I have been adding more like CalMag and Max each time just because I ran into that deficiency uh, a month ago. So what you did say something that really resonated with me where because of the the training style and because of the the topping method um, these are high stress types of activities and so the the plant might be going through uh, calcium or magnesium um, faster than it ordinarily might so i'm really trying to keep up um, and make sure that the plant has all it needs and i'm making sure that when i water i try to give it that extra 20 percent that you suggested uh, make sure it really flushes out um, and pushes any salt uh, deposits um, out of the way. So the the plant poop, as you called it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and sorry to interrupt, yeah. but just to kind of create a mental image for those that might not be able to see it. I mean, he's got a spreadsheet here and he's got every single day basically coded. He's got color codes on here. He's taken temperatures, um, you know, uh, environmental readings. And he's basically you know, documented when he's topped the plants, where he's topped the plants. And, you know, I think this is a great, I'm, I'm, as I'm watching this, I'm kind of getting excited because I think this is a great, um, you know, introduction into the episode that we have tonight, because this is part of it, right? This is part of it. Going through this experience and documenting what you've done and documenting the way the plants has, has responded mm-hmm. to the care that you've given or the technique that you've tried, this is what I'm talking about. This is what's going to give you the ability to learn the genetics that you're growing, to know and get in tune with exactly what they need when they need it. So you can unlock the maximum potential from that genetic and, and actually hit a home run. 
So I just not to really throw you off your game there, but I just really wanted to stress that to the people that can't see the screen. No, you're uh, absolutely how, right. How important that is, and and the depth of the detail that you're capturing there. Well, and, and I you know I appreciate you mentioning that, um, and I plan on trying to be more detailed um, moving forward. You know, I have um, those the folks that are just listening. Um, you know, I have what the pH was because. Uh, I make sure that all my tools are calibrated in, in proper working order, and I know what the pH going in, and I know the pH of the water, the runoff coming out. Um, and so I 6.9 going in, and then 6.2, 6.2, 6.3, 6.5 coming out. Uh, so these are all right exactly where I want them to be. Um, and that is because I went through the trouble of adding lime uh, the previous week. And so that helped raise that soil uh, pH. And, and, and my plants are just looking a beautiful deep green. Uh, it's, you can really tell. Right. And I mean, this is just something so key to stress, right? Because um, your, your soilless mixture needs to maintain the correct pH, right? Otherwise, nutrient uptake is not going to occur. Uh, or, and it is, is not going to occur as efficiently. And there's charts and everything outlined, uh, outlining this online. You can certainly look them up. Um, but, you know, having your, your, your proper pH allows your plant to actually uptake the nutrients that are available in the mixture that it's growing in. Um, so key, right? And again, this is something that we're going to lightly touch on as we go through the episode, but definitely a key component to, you know, hitting a home run. Absolutely. And because I, I go through the trouble, I know that this is part of my, my methodology and part of my system. Um, I'm very systematic with everything pretty much. And now that I've introduced the Monster Max, which, you know, improves the microbial activity in the soil, and that's going to allow for better uptake. So I'm, I better have my soil and my water uh, pH in line, or I'm just wasting that Monster Max. <laughs> exactly. Very, very fair point. <laughs> and uh, I hate wasting anything like that. So, um, mm-hmm. and then last week I transplanted, and so they went from a one gallon fabric pot to a five gallon fabric pot. And so this is their final resting pl- uh, place. And so. They uh, now I have a lo- I do a long veg time. Um, a lo- I am just into week nine now, and I still have probably I would say at least three weeks to go um, before I'm close to to flipping to, to flower. So it's it's a long veg cycle, but man it uh yeah and and it's it's for those that are listening right now that are saying oh gee that's long my plant was finished after nine weeks i just want to kind of touch on the fact that you're using um a growing technique that not a lot of people may be familiar with which is which is causing you to cut back the growth on on the plant very aggressively yes in the beginning Right, which is you know you're you're not able to build that early plant momentum, which is going to give you you know the quick and the, the 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 rapid growth as you get later through veg. So I just wanted to point that out. There's a method to to the madness there. So, yes, anyway, and so ahead. the technique that I use is um, it's been coined by Nug Buckets, and so it's manifolding or mainlining, 
And um, so very, just very quickly, you know, your, your plant starts growing up, um, you cut the top off, and it forces the auxiliary buds to become the now new main stems, and there's two of them, one on either side. And so you go from one stem to two stems. So now you just doubled your, your potential yield. Um, and then you can top those again and double your potential yield again. Uh, but you are limited, of course, by your the size of your environment and the size of your light source. Um, and, of course, the size of your, your pots. Um, yeah, so that's where we, where we were. And so basically, I recommend to all new growers, uh, even if you've been growing a while, um, you know, keep a journal. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be as elaborate as what I have here, you know, where everything's color-coded, but that's just for my own um, ease and, and aesthetic yeah, value. It- yeah, and, and as I'm looking at yours, I'm like, yeah, that that's fant- it's a fantastic way to keep everything in order, and you know that's what you're comfortable with. Myself personally, um, I I just use Microsoft Notes on on my cell phone. Um, in there, I'm able to like I'll come up with a feeding plan and a grow grow plan basically through my weeks and what my PPM and my solution is going to be and, and and whatnot. And I'll just make little uh, little notations with the grow plan. And as I complete each task, I'll put a check in the box next to it. I love um, that. And I, I love just that. work work through. <laughs> work through that way and then as i take care of the plants i make my notations of what i did you know where i topped kind of how things were looking um you know how they may have responded to it to a, a change that uh, i recently made whatever the case may be so i'm documenting it as well in, in a format that i'm comfortable with but I, I have access to it on my phone and not able to share that here but um you know this is what we're doing just so everybody's aware right that in order to um, maximize your equipment you know this is really needed i mean not everybody's going to hit a home run like pache did on the very first go round, right you know there, there's a there's a level of of skill and attention to detail required absolutely and equipment re- required but there's also that level of you know of fluke to it you know it's like it happened yes absolutely but so many variables could have been thrown off that didn't allow that to happen. Sure. <laughs> Do you know what I'm absolutely. saying? And if I if I so, took a, a step right instead of a test step left at any point throughout, I might not have had the results that I did. Exactly. Right. And like I said, your attention to detail and the you know your tenacity with dealing with the problems that they arose, you put yourself back into the category where a home run was actually possible, and then you did it. What, what, what right? really. It makes me so happy about the grow. Well, yes, I you know, butt in the bag, you know, really the most important thing. That's why you're doing it. Yeah, um, and, and and look, the, the, and the fluke part that I talk about is not a not a fluke of your skill at all, and not the fluke of, of you deal with anything. It's it's the fluke of the genetics because sure. not all the time you you don't just order. And we're going to get into this a little bit as well. Uh, not to. You know, I always feel like we're going to start to talk about things that uh, we have outlined for later in the show. But yeah, not all not all seeds. (laughs) Yeah, not all seeds are are going to give you you know a a gram and a half per watt. You know, are going to give you huge nugs. Some some plants will give you smaller nugs that are very high quality. Some will give you a bunch of nugs that are you know not very high quality. It's it's. 
you know, they're all different. And just because you, just because you ordered white widow seeds from a reputable breeder doesn't mean the five seeds that you order are, are going to be five exact replicas of the plant. Cause it doesn't work that way. There's an 80% chance that those five seeds are going to be 80%, you know, un- unique and uniform in a lot of their key characteristics, but there's going to be, um, variations between the plants. Uh, it's just, it's the way, um, you know, the genetics kind of unlock themselves as the plant grows. So, um, just wanted to touch on, on some of those points, but, uh, documenting everything is certainly key. Um, but I do want to tell you about an experience that I had today, uh, and, uh, you know, for our listeners. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we picked up a listener on a cab ride. Uh, and, um, today I ran into that listener and, uh, <laughs> he came out and, uh, stopped the car and, and was like, Hey, funny running India. Uh, I have a question. And he asked me a question about monster cropping. So I was able to kind of give him the information that he was looking for and he got happy and, and, and went on his way. So a shout out to him. I do forget his first name, uh, when we introduced ourselves, but, uh, shout out to him. He's what definitely been, uh, following us along, but, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about monster crop in just a little bit. Why not throw it out there, right? For everybody Absolutely. else, uh, as right, as these topics kind of, kind of pop up, it's, uh, um, you know, something that, uh, that, that it's worth talking about, but, uh, monster cropping is a technique where basically they take a clone from a from a plant that is already in flowering stage okay um and the method to this madness is is if it's got a flower basically that has started or in some stage of growth um when you you know take the clone and and root it um a lot of different branches grow out of the surface of that flower and i mean when i say a lot i've seen up to a dozen different branches grow out of it it's like it's it's a very um you know crazy response it looks kind of odd but you you get a, a, a bunch of different branches in a random amount depending um you know so it's in a very it, it sets you up for a very aggressive um you know vegetative growth phase uh and it's something that a lot of people use um you know uh, on every single grow it's something that i've i've used you know on and off over the years um and we'll talk about why I don't necessarily do it all the time. We'll kind of touch on that. I think we can fit that in, uh, in, in this episode as well. But, um, yeah, it, um, so basically it just sets you up for a very aggressive uh, growth phase, uh, for vegetative. And, uh, if you're filling a scrog net, you know, this is the way you're going to get the foliage that you need to fill all your squares, uh, basically. So I just wanted to lightly kind of get into that and uh, and talk about that. But the other point I wanted to make about monster cropping is, is let's say your plant is three weeks, four weeks into flowering. You can still do it, but those those clones that you take require a lot more time to root. I think, you know, from the plant's perspective, there's like a physiological arrangement that needs to happen. Um, it needs to get itself out of vegetative growth. So if, you know, if you're a couple of weeks in or, or three or four weeks in, it's going to need a couple of weeks to get back out. And once it can get back out and then get, get motored up for vegetative growth, growth again, you know, that's kind of when we can start to, to get the roots forming and, and the plant will start to grow. So just a point I wanted to make there, because a lot of the time when, if if you're, if you're going to be taking, um, you know, clones from a plant that is three or four weeks into flower, um, you know, they go a lot of the time to the brink of death before they root. Uh, and that's something important to know, right? 
um, they, they can they can end up worse for wear. Um, and and if you need ten, then you should take twenty or thirty. You know, try to take more than you need because the death rate, um, you know, can, can be a little bit higher depending on how deep they are into flowering. So, just wanted to touch on that. Cool. Um, you know, monster crop cropping is definitely a different type of technique, and we're gonna lightly touch on some other techniques as well. But again. Tonight is the recipe for a home run show. Uh, tonight, what we want to do is start getting into the, the habit of paying attention to the details. Um, because each time you don't, you know, it's basically a strike. <laughs> <laughs> and if you get too many strikes, then you know what that means, right? <laughs> <laughs> Someone downloaded a uh, soundboard. <laughs> 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 uh, that's awesome I, I like it <laughs> uh, yeah, hey I, I, I figured you'd like me dropping those so um yeah but you can fluke a home run by uh, but getting one consistently right is the name of the game if you want to play along and uh cover the costs of you know your power and cover the costs of your time um so you know who doesn't want to uh you know do this you know kind of professionally and really pay attention and get to know the plant right um to to fully unlock the genetics to fully unlock the quality to fully unlock the the terps and the flavonoids and uh, all of the profiles and to give you something that's grown with love right and something that is not mass produced and not necessarily uh, grown with love if if you know what i'm saying there Pache. absolutely i mean when i because I still pop open my jars and I still have, I've got my hygrometers in there. So I know what the temperature and the humidity is of all my, my curing jars. Um, and so I'll, I'll check them uh, visually, but every now and again, um, I'll, just, I'll pop the jars open and just to get that whiff and the, the, the smell, it gets sweeter and thicker and uh, more robust every time mm -hmm. i put my nose in and it just when you know when you breathe in and you know everything opens you know and you can just take that deep deep breath and it, it's like your nose is happy all of a sudden you know you get that you can feel the the smirk or the smile creeping onto your face and it it's all that hard work and, and time and effort and struggle and frustration and excitement and, you know, what do I do next? It all sort of culminates into that moment, and it, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Uh, and then you smoke it, you, and know, you get ripped. So. <laughs> <laughs> Never did I think that your, your description of, of the experience and the product would be based 90% on the aromas that unfold oh. as it goes through the curing process and 10% of actually, you know, the, the quality of the, of the high that you get when, when it's consumed. Well, well curing <laughs> so. is something that I've never done before. And it's, it's from what I can gather, it's where science is left behind and art is introduced um, yes, and and it is something that I, I've been playing around with a little bit. Um, so my second grow, I I took some some of the plant material out after eight days of drying, nine days of drying, twelve days of drying, um, and then putting them into the into the cure jars, and just to see if I can tell any difference, you know, just just to try, you know. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, I, did, I typically like to dry for uh, for twelve days before they go into the curing jar. Um, yeah. So, so you know, and, and and that type of curiosity is awesome, right? Because it's like you're, you you you, this is all kind of key. It, it all kind of comes together because you know through this you'll learn what works best and mm-hmm. what you like the best, you know. And if you don't try, you're never going to know. Absolutely, and you know everything I do is was told to me by an expert. And when I say an expert, through a YouTube video, somebody like yourself, Ray. Um, somebody like my buddy Matt, who is going to be coming on the show in a number of weeks. Um, it's so none of this is anything that I came up with myself. Although I take bits and pieces. For example, in, in the mainlining uh, procedure, when you top a plant, you sort of prune everything below it. Um, I don't do that necessarily. Um, I sort of have taken some of your advice and left some key leaves on in key places where they're getting lots of um, photons. And, uh, and I find that the, the stock tends to get thicker faster. And that's what I want. Um, you know, I want those, that nutrient highway to be, um, to be wide and moving nutrients and energy up. Yeah, and you want it to be able to support them, huge flowers, yes, right? I do. At the, at the at the end of uh, of flowering as well, um, but yeah, I say we get into her. Uh, you know, th- lots of points have been coming up over our last uh, six episodes. You know, uh, key points where we've kind of referred to that as these. This is one of those types of things that you need to do to hit a home run, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Is all of those things in one episode. Um, you know, and really we, we, we did spend a bit of time, you know, trying to really get all of the topics in line here because there's a lot to it. Yeah, man, give her. Yeah. So, um, you know, the very first thing that's super important, right? Um, if you want to hit a home run and that's having a clean workspace, a clean Mm -hmm. tent, a clean area, clean basement, clean room, clean grow room, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, and when I say clean, I mean, if this is something that you're just setting up for the very first time, you know, the walls have to be washed, the ceiling has to be washed, the floors, uh, you know, um, if you've, if you've just completed a grow, you know, you need to pull those drip trays out of the bottom of your tent, you know, those emergency drip trays that'll catch a, um, a flood in the event something happens. You know, that's got to get pulled out. They, you got to clean in, be, in between them. A little bit of moisture could get trapped under there, and you could get a fungus that starts that could end up spreading in your grow. Uh, you know, it could maybe a spot where powdery mildew spores can stay alive for a while until they get disturbed, you know, and then all of a sudden you're starting to deal with a problem in your grow room. Uh, and, you know, this is all a huge part of it because uh, the cleaner your area is, you know, the less uh, insects that you'll have, Um, you know, if it's maintained, they'll keep, you know, uh, away from an area that's sanitary and sanitized a lot of the time. Um, They'll kind of avoid that. So this is a huge part of it. And, you know, you got to clean the top of your light fixtures, right? That's a huge thing. I constantly, you know, see people's grows and it's like, there's just so much dirt built up on the top of the light fixtures, right? It's like that stuff can that stuff can build up and get sucked into your fan 
right? And then uh, two years later, you can end up having a, a problem with your fan not spinning correctly and keeping your lights cool. It can cause the electronics in your boards to to, to short out. Um, all kinds of things can happen, right? It's something so simple that we can do. Uh, and um, a lot of the time, people just don't pay attention to that type of detail. Um, cleaning the filters on your carbon filters for those that are using uh, carbon scrubbers to remove the cannabis odor. Um, you know, if they if if that outside filter gets uh, gets clogged up, that can really reduce your CFM and that can start to throw your env- your environment off. Right. And when I say this, it's really important. It's super important. These are all the things that you really need to do on a consistent basis. And that's going to avoid your plants having stress later on due to an environmental issue that you might not catch. That's right so away. easy to do. Um, yeah, so easy to do. Um, you know, clean the blades of your circulating fans and, and the grills that, that, that cover it, right? What happens is, is a lot of the I time that, yeah. that stuff built, that stuff builds up and builds up and then it blows off and lands right on top of one of your prize nugs, right on top of a flower. So, and later on you're trimming, you're like, where, where did all this hair come well, from? Yeah. Cause right? your nugs are all nice and resiny and sticky and you know, anything that comes by is going to stick. So a hunk of lint or something like that comes off, it jumps off your fan. Yeah. You don't want that. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, another huge one here, clean your bulbs, especially for those growing with uh, HPS, um, you know, or um, uh, other types of bulbs like that. Uh, clean them, right? You got to clean them because dust will build up and that dust sits on the glass and then it lowers the available lumens available to your plant, even though it's still burning the wattage at the wall, right? So this is if if you've got a really dirty bulb or if if your led panel uh, you know is really dirty if you're one of the the listeners that has a, a glass panel covering it if that stuff's dirty it can reduce your your lumen output by up to 40 percent sometimes you know and that's not going to give you a home run no. right you know if you got i'll tell you what if you're if you're a home grower and you have dirty bulbs or you have dirty glass on your air-cooled reflectors or your LEDs, <laughs> that's strike one for you. So you're, you've, you just, you've, just, <laughs> you've just lessened your chance at getting a home run, okay? So enough about the cleanliness, you know, everything needs to be clean and sterilized. Um, choose, choose your method. So all the time mom told me to clean my room growing up, she was preparing me for a life of growing. Yeah, all right. That's you know what that you always have a positive way to spin things. So absolutely, shout out, shout to the shout out to the moms out there. Um, okay, so but you know that kind of leads us into the next topic, right? Um, and that's really to have calibrated equipment, right? You might know what the environmentals are, mm-hmm. right? But if your equipment is not calibrated, then it doesn't matter that you know because you don't know. You know, you're, you're, and I've dealt with this myself, you know, this is, this, this was a struggle of mine just recently, you know, you're short on cash, but you need a pH reader, you know, so you get the cheap one, da, 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 da. Uh, and then all of a sudden you're, you're having pH problems. I, ju- I just went through all this, you know, uh, myself, and it's so key. Um, there's lots of times that if you, if you're using cheap sensors, the little sensors you get at Canadian Tire or Walmart, you know, the $6 ones in the bin there. Those things are not designed for cannabis. They're not going to give you the most accurate data available, right? Um, there are uh, sensors designed specifically for, for growing cannabis uh, and for, for use in grow tents. Um, Inkbird makes a lot of those sensors. You can check them out on Amazon. We're not affiliated with them in any way. It's just they own the market. 
Um, I've used their stuff. They've got a, a router that you can connect everything to so you can view that information on your phone remotely, which is awesome. We've talked about it in other episodes just to touch on that. Um, but having high-quality equipment that is going to give you the most accurate data available is, is, is going to allow you to truly dial in your environment. Okay, so what I recommend, honestly, is having several different devices, right? Um, it's, it's a tricky thing, right? Because you want to, you know, you want to, a lot of people want to do this with like laboratory quality, right? And part of that is knowing with a laser accuracy, exactly what your environmental readings are, exactly what your temperature is. You know, if it's, if it's 78 degrees in there, you want to know exactly that it's 78. You don't want your equipment to say, well, it's 74 or it could be 76, depending on which way the wind's blowing. Um, you know, it's just not, you know, it's not what's going to get you. Um, to the finish line at all so super important that you're calibrating your equipment that you're checking it to make sure that it's still accurate uh, and then addressing those concerns because it's super important so if you're controlling things manually then you know you're at some point you know something's going to come up and you're going to miss a schedule in in some way shape or form which could cause undue stress to your plant and and cause your problems in your grow so uh the more you can have things controlled by sensors uh the better um you know and and test everything right you need to test everything um you not just the ph of your water that's going in and adjusting that like pache you've got a great experience here with the importance of testing the ph of the water coming out and knowing where you stand in that regard yeah absolutely um you, you know and in my first grow um you know I saw the deficiencies happening and I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know why I didn't understand. And, uh, well, you and I both, we, we figured it out and, uh, it's, it's just so important. And again, these are all things to hit a home run, right? Um, you know, you can get away with not doing everything, of course, that we're suggesting and, and that's fine. Um, but this is just what has worked for us. And man, we've, we've, we want you guys to experience the same results that we have. Absolutely. 100%. Um, you know, so calibrate a, your shit. A point, <laughs> yeah, at one point I wanted to make for um, the people that are growing in hydroponics, uh, you know, it's super important, right? Not only to just test the water going in, but you, you also want to test your water coming out, right? You want to know, you know, the last, you know, feeding that the plants had, did they eat the food? Was it excessive? right this will allow you to cut back on maybe nutrients that aren't being utilized by the by the plant and it could potentially save you money you know not going through your nutrients as quick um but it'll allow you to really you know get dialed in and know exactly well i gave the the plant maybe um you know 900 ppm a solution uh you know they drank that for you know for four or five days and i'm looking to see now that ppm has jumped up to 1200 ppm or 2000 ppm you know that's saying that that's probably a little little too high of uh, uh, of a ppm there so not to get in too depth in that right now we'll we'll, we'll do that when we really drill into hydro just a touch on it but these are things of course that you need to know because if you don't know you don't know and if you don't know then <laughs> and that's two okay so um and you know figuring out what you what your specific phenotype um that you're growing likes and needs at certain times is is imperative to a home run um so 
more to come on that but getting into a grow plan right which would kind of be the third kind of key point i um, wanted to really address here um you really do got to come up with a plan Absolute, right Bajay, you spent yeah. you, you spent a bit of time preparing and... well i i my prof- profession is uh planning so um i've done a lot of financial planning um in the past and i'm a planner i, I love to figure out the best way to do things and i en- i actually enjoy i enjoy sitting down and thinking about how everything is going to go and and I'm doing that now. You know, I'm looking at um, <clears throat> scaling up a bit, and I'm just mentally picturing how everything is going to go, because I'm I'm a new grower, and I'm just coming up, finishing my one year uh, one year mark next month, and uh, I've had such a great time. It has been such a an important part of my day to day life in the sense that I sort of try to leave my troubles outside the garden. You know, you step inside the garden and it's all about the plants and you taking care of the plants because later on the plants are going to be taking care of you. Absolutely. Well, very well said. Um, You know, so to kind of really talk about a grow plan, right? I mean, the data that Pache was sharing on the screen there a little while ago, right? There's a method to that. I mean, not only is he going to be able to see like the, the, what he's done and the response of the plant, but he's also going to be able to use that data if he plans to grow that genetic again in the future. And having that information available, he'll be able to kind of know exactly what to do uh, at certain times. And that is going to allow him to have a home run, right? <laughs> you never never see them <laughs> no no never, I love ne- never seem the- but look what is a home run right that's that's the question we're gonna have to kind of ask um you know it, it, and that number can vary uh from person to person depending on your setup uh, the best thing that I can kind of suggest is, um, and, and you know, kind of what everybody uses kind of as a home run to kind of know when they're dialed in and when they've kind of done a good job uh, with a good genetic is kind of when they hit one gram per watt. That's kind of, you know, people cheer when they kind of hit one gram a watt. That's a shout out to you 400 watt HBSers that are pulling a pound in, you know, uh, four plants because I know you're out there. I see you posting your pictures on uh, on the space books and and all that stuff. So I know you're out there. Um, so shout out to you guys. A shout out to to the people using LED lights that are pulling in a couple of pounds. Pache, I know they're out there. Yeah, you must know one somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know my my first grow, I pulled in one and a, just a little over one and a half grams per watt with four plants. And my second grow, it was one just a little over one point four grams per watt with two plants. So, yep. you know, no complaints. You know, shout out to the guy. Shout out to the guy in the two by two tent that doesn't have much, but he's got some CFLs, you know, and he's pulling a, qu- a quarter pound. Shout out to you because I know you're out there too. I see you posting your pictures. So, um, you know, just th- th- that's the question, right? A home run to me is different from a home run to you is different from from the guy that's, um, you know, in a two by two. I'd say it'd be fair to so, say that the home run is almost created in the goal setting portion of the plan right exactly exactly right because it's like here's the thing who wants seven pounds of garbage yeah exactly so would that be a home run if i pulled in seven pounds off a thousand watt hbs who knows 
Right, maybe, maybe to somebody if you're putting them in your hair. <laughs> maybe. But, but what if maybe it, they want to make tea? But what if it's what if it's poop weed? <laughs> yeah. Right? Just straight up poop poop, right? Everybody's had it every once in a while, right? Just straight up poop. Um what if what if it is, right? So that's not a home run, right? But maybe but maybe off that 400 watt HPS, you know, you pull in a, a half pound of dank, crypt, dank, just, you know, lay you flat out, right? You know, that that's certainly, um, certainly possible as well, right? So um, just things to consider. What's a home run for me might not be a home run for you. You know, so, but one gram per watt. Right, and so you might have a thousand watt LED. Pache, what's yours rated at? And then like, because there's two ratings. I'm at four fifty four. Now I don't know what I'm pulling, actually pulling from the wall, um, but the the reviews of the light that I'm using, um, it's pretty spot on. So I'm using the four fifty four uh, wattage. Yeah. So, and when we talk about wattage, we're talking about what the plant pulls for wattage at the wall, yes. the actual yeah. wattage, not the inflated, you know, some manufacturers put two thousands and three thousands on theirs or say that it's a 3000 watt equivalent or whatever. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how many Watts at the wall that, that these lights use. Um, so again, about one gram at the wall per watt. And I mean, Hey, if, if you're a fellow growing and, and that's what you hit, um, you know, kudos to you because that to me is a home run and that might vary from for other people. Um, but part of this grow plan, right? Um, you know, you need to know the breeder's flowering time. You know, you need to get your genetics, um, you know, fr- from somebody that's reputable, uh, which we'll talk about in the next section as well. Um, and, you know, you got to make sure you purchase the right seeds, right? Some seeds are outdoor seeds and they don't do well indoor. Some are indoor and outdoor, and they can go both. Some are indoor only. Some say that they're indoor and outdoor, but when you grow the indoor, indoor, it's great, and then you grow that same in, uh, indoor, outdoor, outdoor, and it's poop. I've had that happen quite a bit, right? So uh, it's stuff that you really want to pay attention to. Uh, Pache is showing some descriptions from some of the uh, from some of the sites here uh, and kind of how they, they label the specific genetics. Um some strains, you know, do well in both indoors and outdoors. Um, but if you're going to be growing outdoors, you're really going to want to know what the susceptibility to like disease, uh, what type of an immunity it has towards like mold, what its resistance levels uh, may be, you know, for, for defense. Um, so that's kind of key information, right? If you're dealing if you're growing on the east coast you know shout out to all the east coast uh, outdoor growers uh, this season who are just putting the time in and trying to salvage whatever they can due to mold and everything um but you know targeting strains that have the highest immunity to mold or have a highest resistance to mold is part of what you're going to be doing to have a home run outdoors right especially um, if you're growing so that's in the something summer. Yeah, you know, you can take a nice, beautiful purple cush that was supposed to be indoor and grow it outdoor and get a nice plant, and then all of a sudden you get these rock-solid nugs that just go to mold. I see it happen all the time. you got to find what works for that specific application, whether it be indoor or outdoor. And you also have to know kind of what type of high you like, right? You know, are, are you going to be, you know, growing um, uh, sativa? You know, maybe you're into sativas, maybe you're into hybrids, maybe you're into indica dominant, whatever the case may be, whatever you want, right? So you're going to want to have to know what you like first in the beginning as you're making your plan. 
um, and you're going to kind of have an idea of when you're going to want to uh, do your harvest, right, by checking your trikes uh, consistently to kind of get them where they need to be. Um, you know, a key part of the plan as well and a key part of determining if you hit a home run is knowing the light footprint of your plant. Uh, sorry, of your light and, um, you know, and, and knowing the size of the tent that you kind of have to fill up, right? Um, super important. A lot of people I see, right, they have, uh, you know, a flowering light that was designed specifically for a two by two and they're trying to get a four by four area out of it. Um, you know, it just doesn't work. It do- do- doesn't work that way. There's only and, so and if much photons to go around. That's right. And if you're if you're trying to do a, a larger, you know, canopy area with a smaller light that doesn't have that output, then it's you're not going to get a home run. You know, that's just going to be another <laughs> for you. So, um, you know, <laughs> just to kind of touch on some of that. Uh, and of course, part of the grow plan, part of growing efficiently and part of maximizing your scrog nets or maximizing your canopy space, right? You're going to need a growing technique because this the plants will grow. We know this. The plant will grow. You can throw the, the, the seed or the clone into a pot and throw it under the light. It's going to grow. It's going to grow with one main stem pointing up and it's going to have five arms that come off the, the, the plant and that's going to be your plant. Is that going to give you a home run? Well... Most of the time, it's not. It's going to give you some nice, pretty flowers. You're just not going to have a lot of them. Um, So figuring out how you're going to train your plant in the beginning uh, is something uh, to to, kind of, you know, have as part of your plant. Um, Whether you're going to be topping, um, which is just basically, you know, cutting off a a portion of the plant and two two stems grow in its place. Uh, Or maybe you're going to fim, um, which is kind of short for fuck I missed. That's a, a technique where you basically isolate the very tip top of the very top growth of the plant and you use your fingers to kind of pull a portion of that off and that kind of, not all the time, but sometimes it uh, encourages the plant to release an enzyme which causes uh, a lot of different branches to shoot up and it gives you the ability to cover a larger area. Um, super cropping is one, that's my go-to. I just love super cropping, not going to lie. Um, and that's why, you know, I really don't do a lot of other techniques because super cropping for me, I've done it so many times dealing with large, large crops and having to go through and deal with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of plants, um, all at once. Um, you know, as opposed to low stress training or anything like that, um, super cropping is my, uh, go-to method. And that's basically where you just take your thumb and forefinger and crush uh, a stem um, not all the way through but just kind of crush it and weaken it which causes the top part of that branch to actually um, you know drop down a little bit and what that does is is it opens up the inside of the plant for new growth to start to come and fill the void that was created you know and you can do this over and over again to cause your canopy to to to, to grow out wide it's like fracturing a bone uh, or something it, like that and the bone calcifies makes it harder and stronger sort of does the same thing a little bit with the plant yeah or or mainlining right that's the that's the the the, the, um technique pache keeps talking about right um that employing all of these techniques are going to give you a home run okay so that's something that everybody really needs to just kind of focus on and, and 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 pay attention to because um you know really important that you're not just letting them grow au naturel because uh, most of the time that's not going to be what works and pick one method and sort of it, stick with it my first time i started with lst low stress training 
and I really didn't know what I was doing. It was my very first time growing anything, and I was just two, three, maybe four weeks into it. And um, I started low stress training, and then I switched to uh, manifolding or mainlining. And um, I don't recommend doing that. Um, it it really took a lot of time off the grow in the sense, or added time onto the grow. Um, but I love main uh, mainlining now, and it is my method of choice. Um, once you're successful with something, um, you tend not to want to do it another way. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and th- that's completely valid, right? If it's not broken, don't fix it. And when you when you use a technique like that and you hit a home run, hey, you got the bragging rights, right? That's your thing. You got her on lockdown. And uh, away you go. Got to take a quick drink. Yeah, give her, man. Yeah, so manifolding, I, I'm loving it. And uh, I'm really happy that it has sort of caught your attention and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna be interested to see if you uh if you pick it up absolutely yeah so there's a there's a there's a bit of um tying down that's involved yeah it's it's a little bit front heavy on the labor but um on the back end it saves you labor Mm -hmm. so we're gonna see how this uh you know, this harvest goes next week and we'll see, you know, if, if, if I'm growing enough to get me through to the next harvest, you know, I mean, Hey, I'm probably just going to keep kind of doing what I'm doing. Sounds like a home run. In it to, <laughs> absolutely. It sounds like a home run to me. Yeah. But you know, and, and having all the equipment and having dialed in equipment and knowing how to use it and picking, uh, you know, having a grow plan that, you know, outlines everything that you know, what you need to do when you need to do it. You know, that's great and all. Those are the known variables. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Those are the known variables, right? And then, of course, we get into the unknown variable, and that is good genetics, right? And this is something that, you know, good genetics, wow. There's nothing nothing finer than a good genetic, let me tell you. But um, you don't always get that, right? I just recently got screwed by Crap King. Everybody knows who Crap King is. If you've been screwed by Crap King and you hear Crap King, you know exactly who I'm talking about. I won't go ahead and say their actual name, but uh, if uh, if you're out there listening and you had a bad experience with Crap King, so did I. Um, absolutely. I wonder sometimes, do people just take seeds and say, oh, let's put these in the pink cush bag. Let's take these and put these in the white widow bag. Let's take these and put these in the Durban poison bag, you know, and just write different things on there. It wouldn't surprise me if some people were out there doing that. How, how would you know, right? Just by looking at the seed, they can put it in whatever type of packaging. So getting good genetics from a reputable breeder is a huge portion of this because, like I said, you can have everything else dialed in perfectly, but if your genetics don't have the capability of giving you a home run, then Pache, what does that mean? I'm expecting a strikeout. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you're out. That's it. It's it. Yeah, you're out. <laughs> it's game over for you at this point, right? I mean, and nothing. There'd be nothing worse right then doing all the work and putting all the time in and then only to come to find out that the genetics were bunk um, i mean that w- that's you know, got to so, be uh, so demoralizing too i mean just uh yeah and i mean you know hey i get it i was once there but then you know you go into salvation mode i mean there's got to be you yeah. still got to save he, it. 
here's how it happens. Here, here's how it happens with most people that would never really think to just go out and start growing. What what happens for them guys is is they they get weed at some point that's got a couple of seeds in it. You know, they hang on to the seeds or the, whatever. So they end up using bag seed in the beginning because it's like convenient. Oh, geez, well I have a windowsill and uh, and some soil over here. I, I could literally just put that seed in there and see what happens. And people do that all the time. You know, it's something that, um, you know, I see all the time. There's Then there's people that, that, you know, get it growing so big in the windowsill, they, they go out and spend money on a tent and transfer it over to a tent and get a light because they're like, oh, okay, I'm hooked now. You know, I just, but what happens sometimes is, of course, the genetics are bunk, right? There's, if it's swag, it's swag. There's just, there's, there's no two ways about it. You doing everything else. Uh, correctly is not going to give you, um, you know, quad a cannabis if you don't, um, you know, if, if the genetics aren't capable. So it's something that everybody needs to pay very close attention to only get your genetics from a reputable breeder. Um, I'm going to throw one name out there cause it's, uh, although I've never used this breeder, I know a lot of people speak very highly, uh, of thug pug. Okay. That's thug pug. Um, last time I looked, I think they had over 70 different strains, uh, available through different uh, sites and whatnot. Um, you know, if you're if you're on the market to try some genetics, I'm not affiliated with Thug Pug in any way, but go ahead and give them a shot. Uh, it's something that I think if you're looking to get a home run, this is kind of you know what you're looking at. But um, an- another thing I want to point out too, right, is like, have you ever heard the heard the term pheno hunting? Absolutely. Right. You know, so my respect goes out to all them guys that are out there putting the, the time and the grind in for, for breeding purposes. Right. Because I know that's a lot of work and we'll talk about breeding in another episode. We'll get kind of in depth and how that all works. But, um, you know, the, um, the, the part of this good genetic vibe is, is these guys out there getting these traits from these phenos and backcrossing them to the you know known producers and trying to get those those characteristics um, appear in, in the group. So lots of different uh, breeders out there. Shout out to to all them guys because and girls because um, I know that's work that's um, you know not necessarily fruitful um, for cannabis per se, but uh, it, it's beautiful in its other ways. So. Um, we'll keep people updated too. I mean, as new breeders pop up, Pache, you just recently ordered. I did. I ordered some Bruce Banner that's going to be coming yep. down the pipe. And everything I order uh, so far has been from uh, TorontoCannabisSeeds.com. Uh, and so they're tied together with, I think, QuebecCannabisSeeds.com. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I've been lucky. I, you know, I was searching around. You suggested I try White Widow for my first grow because it's a very forgiving plant and forgiving strain, rather. And uh, so, yeah, so I t- searched around all the different sites, and this one seemed to have the um, sort of highest THC that I was looking for because I was really looking for something to sort of smack me in the face like a shovel. And, uh, and it delivered. You know, um, I, nice. I got to the end and, you know, you, you do everything what you think is right and you get to the end, you cure it and then you finally try it and you're hoping, you know, the first time you smoke what you grow. Oh, I, I was I was a little nervous because I just was dreading the fact that it would all be f- not for naught, of course, but. It was just so important that I 
produce something that was a higher quality than what I was purchasing. That was just so mm-hmm. important to me, and and it, and it happened. Um, and now I, I can't go back. So I'm I'm growing for uh, growing for life now. Awesome, love it. Um, but yeah, so good genetics, right? Just and knowing the genetics, you know, that's the key takeaway, kind of from this section. Um, you know, that's part of what Pache was showing earlier and what we were talking about, documenting everything that's going to give you the ability to know and understand your genetics specifically. So you might not get a home run the first time, but you might get it the second time or the third time if you start paying attention to the little details and get everything dialed in. Um, but you know, next section too, right, is you got to have equipment that's tried, tested and true, right? Uh, super important because if your equipment is not capable of a home run, you know, then, you know, that's something you just really got to look at. There's nothing worse than watching a plant grow and, and suffer and then, you know, not have a good uh, outcome there. Um, you know, if if your light is very low quality or not the right spectrum, that's going to end up being, you know, a, a big nemesis to you. Um, if you're, you have no airflow, right, in your tent, that's going to really um, throw your CO2 off and cause you to be susceptible to mold and mildew. Um, so, you know, you can really take a, take apart those fans and, and clean things and, and, uh, make sure they're, they're operating at, uh, at, at best capacity. Um, you know, make sure your dehumidifier screens and your filters are cleaned, uh, that, that you're filling them regularly and emptying them regularly. And you kind of have a schedule for that. Um, super important, right? If you're just buying Chinese equipment that is not calibrated and just using that, um, you know, you might've paid a lot of money for it, but if it's not given you the, the results, it's just not tried, tested and true. So something when you're on the market for equipment, make sure you read the reviews and don't just read a few reviews and get a vibe from it. Go deep. You know, you gotta go Absolutely. deep in the reviews. You know, you'll start to see things consistently appear. Right? You can check oh, the reviews, after... like the one stars and the two stars. Right. So and that's what I, yes. Do after three months the power cord came loose after three months the power cord came loose hey after three months and then all of a sudden you know hmm wait a minute there's a a trending thing starting to appear in random comments right that's kind of how i i I siphon through some of this stuff right because specifically for cannabis because sometimes people will just write anything um you know and all of this is good but hey pache this is like i think this is like the number one thing i said to you in the very beginning for advice that you gotta have patience Right. I don't know. I was in a hurry. I wasn't listening. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, um, yeah, I mean, you got to have patience, right? Really and it's not, ju- it's, it's not just patience waiting for the weed to grow. You know, you've got to have patience with your harvest, you know, getting those trichromes, um, you know, right where you want them for maturity and for, for potency for what you're looking for. Um, just even in watering, you if, know, you, you, you go three days and you're like, geez, you know, it's day number four. I, I want to water. Well, maybe it might not be ready yet. You know, it might not be ready for another day or two, you know. So, but you're That's always right. sort of chomping at the bit. You, you want to do as much as you can. You, you want to help it along as much as you can. It's helping. Right. I'll just give it a little bit of water right yeah. now. You know, it, it, you end up watering too much, you're going to start to have problems, right? And that's going to be directly related to your level of patience. Um, you know, and, and again, patience uh, correlates to a big part of, of, again, you know, that spreadsheet that Pache was sharing and, and, and documenting your grow. 
um, because, you know, that's part of being patient, waiting for the play to come to you, then you can kind of document that uh, and, and be patient enough to catch it when it happens, right? Uh, super important. So um, patience is probably the number one thing cannabis taught me in the beginning because, you know me, I put, put the first group of seeds in and I was like, is it done yet? You know, that's kind of how fast uh, you're sitting there with a zigzag in your hand. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I learned a lot over the years. So, um, yeah. And then, of course, you know, the last kind of point to kind of wrap this up, um, attention to detail, right? Don't skip leg day. Huge part, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you You know, clean your stuff, clean your tools, clean everything. I mean, every time I take my pruning snips out, I rub them in alcohol every single time without fail. I've never not done it. And that habit is now ingrained and it would be insane for me to just pick up my pruning snips or shears and start cutting like without cleaning like that. No, that would never happen. Yep. You know, it could be, you know, um, skipping a week spraying your plants with something preventative. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I haven't really seen them around in a while. I'm going to skip that today. And then all of a sudden you end up starting to have problems, You're back right? to day one. So, back to yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, attention to detail, attention to checking your plants on a regular basis and getting in front of any potential problems that can arise. Because there's lots of things that can take you out of this. And let me tell you, there's lots of things that, 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 that can arise that can really ruin your crop. And there's nothing worse than having to reset after a couple of months and, and, and start all over again. So uh, huge points uh, made there. And then, of course, the last thing kind of came up when you, you and I were talking before uh, before we went live here, um, Bache, just with regards to like, you know, hey, you've been kind of working on plants for, for six, eight months now, right? And getting down there low when them plants are sitting on the ground, right? You got your net in the way and you can't, it's, it's sometimes you got to get deep in there, right? That that for us older fellas and i mean you're way older than me so you, <laughs> i can only kilometers away <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh nice you had the laugh track ready that's awesome <laughs> yeah you were waiting you were probably wringing your hands oh i'm gonna get him right at the end i'm gonna get him uh, so you know, yeah. So maybe bumping your plants up a little bit, right? So you're working at the right. Well, height. yeah. And so I was telling um, you that I'm going to be building a little table because I've got a five by five as my flowering chamber, and so I'm going to be building a little table that it's going to be going on because you know this is I'm finishing year one of growing, and I've got you know twenty or thirty years left, so I need to have a system that's going to allow me to bend down not only tomorrow and the next day, but bend down on my knees next year and the year after and the year after. And when you're down and you're sitting sort of cross-legged for for a while and you're tying down and pruning and snipping and doing all this stuff, then all of a sudden you go to get up and you're thinking, holy God, I should have had a plan for this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, 100% valid. What are you sharing on the screen there, Pache? Facebook. This is our Facebook page, folks. Come over and check us out. Uh, Check out our photos. We've got lots of photos uh, of our grows, and we're going to be adding more each harvest. And uh, we're going to also be getting into things like, um, eventually, of course, but uh, we'll be getting into things like pressing rosin and making hash and making edibles. And uh, we're going to be making some different um, products, and we're going to be trying them out and, uh, and getting them out there to some people and having them try it out. So uh, 
should be fun. It's going to be a, an interesting and yeah. fun year. Yeah, and we have our first live guest scheduled uh, next week. Woo-hoo. Chris Backer is going to be joining us um, next week, and he is affiliated with uh, Maritimers United for Medicinal Marijuana, and uh, he heads off the Cannabis Substitution Project in Halifax. So, you know, like, hey, when we first started uh, in the introduction episode, right, we talked about we're not only going to talk about cannabis and growing cannabis, but we're also going to talk about, you know, cannabis from a medical perspective, and we're going to be talking with people that are doing things from a medical perspective. And we're going to get into some talk about what it's done for us. Absolutely. Pache, we, we, we didn't go down any of those rabbit holes just no, yet. No, so that's coming because uh, some news that I just mentioned to you not long ago is I just got a um, prescription for marijuana. So I'm going to... I want to know all about that. Well, we're going to get into that. It's going to be a story. We're going to have an episode. It's going to be a story. Yeah, we're going to have an episode dedicated specifically to... How do I get my license? How do I get my... How, how does it and work? We're going right? to actually have somebody come on the show and uh, and talk to us about that. It was the person who uh, guided me through, and uh, she was fantastic, and she's agreed to come on the show, so really looking forward uh, to having her on. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so with that being said, I think we've kind of hit all the topics uh, this week, so uh, if you pay attention to the details then, um, you know, a home run is definitely going to be in your future. So once again, my name is Ray. And uh, join us live again next uh, Sunday at 8 p.m. Atlantic Standard Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And happy growing, everybody. Have a great week. Have a great week. All right. Bye.